You are listening to Super Yacht Radio. Hey, this is Dave Dempsey. Thanks for joining us here on Super Yacht Radio. This afternoon, I'm joined by Jack Robinson, the CEO and founder of Super Yacht Technology News and the man behind the Super Yacht Technology Conference coming up next April. Today, we're going to be talking about upcoming technology in the new year, what to expect and what the trends are. Jack, good afternoon and thanks for joining us. Poor old Mark Anthony, who just lost his boat yesterday in a tremendous fire over in Miami. I don't know if you saw that. I, I did see. And actually, it seems like uh, fires are, uh, yes, happening all over the world for many, many yachts at the moment. So um, it's not just we're going to start looking it? at a bit. Of, uh, no, it's not. There, There's obviously uh, quite a number of fires, those that are known and those that are unknown, some more serious than others. But they're happening in a, a range of places where you kind of got to obviously go, well, was it the air conditioning machine? from the yeah. shipyard was it something on the yacht was it maintenance but um yeah i certainly think that are probably the procedures and the technology involved in detection and the early detection and the checklists of what's left on and things like that probably are gonna have to go under some review over the next year because we seem to uh had a big space of these fires this year well it does here it actually brings us nicely into uh, what we're going to talk about today which is um what we see happening in technology over the next year Maybe in a bit, mm-hmm. bit more than that, and one of it, and um, we've we've seen we've been talking to some companies, um, is about uh, well, I won't say artificial intelligence, but kind of IoT intelligence of everything, where you'd have set like the one company you spoke to, they're putting sensors on engines that can detect yeah. from vibration and sound if a nut is loose, or if yes. there's, you know, there's some sort of rattle. Um, and what's your thoughts on that? What do you what do you see on a boat well, that kind of technology developing? There are a lot of clever companies out there that are um, you know that are bringing in the sensors that are pretty well established in other industries. And I think the kind of the buzzword that everybody's going to start to focus on is a combination of two things. You're looking really at preventative maintenance, mm-hmm. uh, which is all about the detection of upcoming and future problems. Uh, you know, either vibrations and heat and heat spots and all sorts of things where you're looking at something, uh, you know, stopping an issue, becoming an issue before it actually uh, hits a point where it requires that, you know, uh, repair, if you like. And this is instead going, oh, there's an upcoming issue here. When we're in an environment where we can comfortably do a repair and the owner's not on board, let's, you know, preemptively fix this issue um and i think that again links back into the internet of things into ai um because ai much as we like to make it into like a big you know word and robots and whatever actually it's just complex decision making really mm-hmm. it's decision making which incorporates so many pieces of information that it goes beyond what the human brain is really designed to do because we're not beings of pure logic we're very ethereal so uh computers ai does that better than us at the moment so uh you know that's then fed into what we'll see more and more is that centralized systems um which will be accessible to everybody so eventually you might even have people in management companies who are effectively acting like the chief engineer or something like that in a control hub monitoring an entire fleet of of yachts um and i imagine one of the people you might have been talking to is joseph adir from winter haven because he's been a pioneer in you know, in AI and uh, understands IoT probably coming from 
you know, other other sectors of the world and having led in that market. Uh, yeah, I think he's bringing some real change to the industry, uh, which is needed. And and obviously with his amazing new, you know, marine center, which incorporates all the benefits of a kind of a refit yard with, you know, a marina, but is actually a refit, you know, is, is a kind of say a marine center, mm. uh, if you like. We've done a big article in our, you know, our uh, our twice annual magazine. So in this case, the Winter Blueprints, um, with him on on all of this. So I, again, I have a feeling John, that's that's where I got some of that information from, actually. Probably, probably. <laughs> we hope so. We we hope that now we are, you know, really like establishing ourselves as like the source of information for, oh. you know, technology. Why not? No, I do. I mean, I, I go. I mean. There's a lot of yachting stuff out there, but if I want to look up about you know, yachting technology and um, and what's out there, what's coming, um, I find your resource superyachttechnology.com. Superyachttechnologynews.com. News. I knew it. It, it, it changed, didn't it? Didn't it used yes, to be just that? That's okay. It is. It did, and that's because we have a project in in the pipelines for superyachttechnology.com, but we're not going to discuss it at the moment. So that's uh, okay. Just after the conference. Check back with us, and we'll we'll have a look at that point. I've got such a difficulty with change, um, but it is it's it's a great resource, and uh, we encourage everybody to go and have a look at that. And one thing that happened to me yesterday, uh, I know we're short mm -hmm. of time, so we're going to try and cover lots of ground here. Um, right. I was on LinkedIn yesterday, and an old boss of mine connected, which was great. This is back when I worked in software development. And I looked up the company that he's working with now, a company called UL. Never heard of them before. But one of the, one of the main things, they, they, they're kind of IT company with a focus on sustainability and driving that through technology development, etc. But one of the main, and they're a huge company, I mean, they're a global multinational company. One of the main focuses, which is something I'm, I was aware of but never thought of as a thing, is trust. And mm -hmm. establishing, and, the, and they were saying, like, uh, looking to the future of technology, not just into next year, but over the next three to five years, is that there needs to be a kind of dual-pronged approach, one with the technology development and rollout. Um, but part of the acceptance of technology is the trust factor, which mm. there was a time when people just trusted technology. It's great. You get a VCR, you got a, you know, you trust it. But we're now in a, in a world where um, the take-up and the adoption of these new technologies is being hampered by market trust, be it, you know, your personal information, like so. etc. We shouldn't trust technology, much as I love it. We should, we should not. Uh, I, I would, I would say. Yeah. Do, do you see that as an issue in the industry? Um, well. I think it's, it's a global issue, whether you trust technology, whether collecting the data and what kind of purposes those are used for, yeah. uh, manipulating governments and things, of course, is a big issue. In terms of yachts themselves, um, this is about protecting the privacy a lot of the times. And with that, you've got a, a dual prong here. You know, you've got your crew, which, uh, you know, uh, you have to have a trusted element with uh, as human beings. Uh, you know, I remember an article by, I won't say who, but I frankly think it was a, a really ridiculous article about... You know, <laughs> oh, go on, say, uh, say. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Name so you could say magazine targeted at crew. Name and shame. has the word crew in it. 
Um, you can guess which one. I don't think it exists anymore. It's been incorporated with some other thing. So I had an article in there saying, should you tell the owner's wife when his mistress has been on board? I mean, uh, you know, that's, it's absolutely ridiculous because basic principles of all services is trust and no is the answer to that Seriously? and why are we even bring it up in the subject. Seriously, that what was I'm a question? Is, is you've got crew, you've got the technology to be used by crew uh, in terms of trust. And again, there's an article we've done in the magazine which covers some of these, uh, you know, some of these surveillance technologies. Um, mm. But really, you have to think about it. You'd have to survey the information being carried by your crew is probably quite important but you also need to be using technology to check the peripheral environment of your yacht and further away to make sure if you're you know if you value your privacy or if you're living a lifestyle which i will not judge but if you're living a lifestyle which perhaps you know you would not want in the public eye when you're in the privacy of your own yacht which is fair enough <laughs> then uh, definitely you know you need to be very aware of that and i think we can say there's a very good example recently of that with our good friend uh, Zolst Borkai, who, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you heard about this story at all. No, I don't think so. Ah, so yes. Um, let, let's say he's a great case study in why you should invest in uh, counter surveillance technology and detection and things like that. This is a very famous, um, he was 1988, he was an Olympic champion, he's Hungarian. He's now the mayor of one of Hungary's biggest cities. And uh, he decided, oh, he was, yes, it was champion gymnast, by the way. So he decided to use some of his gymnastic skills and, and had a, uh, yes, a party with lots of people on his yacht. Ooh. And uh, that's, you know, it got out in the public eye. And uh, and uh, let's just say he's very unlikely to be really? continuing as mayor anywhere at this stage. So, yes, Um that's actually part of the article we did with Qualtron talking about that and, uh, and how that kind of occurred and, uh, you know, potentially how technology could have prevented uh, people getting close enough to the yacht to be able to kind of know what was going on on board, I guess. So, yes. Yeah. and it, But it's also you know, if, if you've got surveillance cameras on board that are hooked up to your network, um, mm -hmm. it's relatively easy unless, unless they've been hardened and, and checked, but it's relatively easy to gain access as a hacker into these cameras and and see what's going on well I, that's again that's yeah. that's a personal choice isn't it why what would you choose would be my question technology is just a tool it's just hammers and chisels you know to to a carpenter if you like yeah um so what i would suggest is if you have a lifestyle which is your own and you want to do whatever you want to do perhaps don't have cameras, uh, you know, within the yacht itself, just outwardly facing uh, detection systems. Because um, again, like you said, technology it can go both ways. So if you're using it in itself on board the yacht, uh, you know, who is checking, who has access to those images, if you've got cameras in you in the master suite or in the corridors and things like that, is that something that you really want? Instead, perhaps you should consider building a barrier around the yacht, a detection mm -hmm. system, virtual detection system, which protects your privacy. Um, because without any, you know, camera footage and things like that, then it's, it's just hearsay. And, uh, you know, so that that's quite important, isn't it? I mean, would you personally want cameras on the inside of your yacht in all of your private areas of the yacht? No, I wouldn't. I mean, we don't, wouldn't even have to. I'm thinking of an article I read the other day 
about a nanny cam that was set up in uh, a child's bedroom in a house in America. And, uh, you know, they bought the camera in good faith and um, they could check on the baby wherever they were, even by their mobile phone. But the company they bought it off hadn't properly, prob- pr- properly updated the software and there was vulnerability, which was exploited by some guy online. And he was literally hacking into it every day, um, watching their yeah. children. You know, the number one cause of being able to access nanny cams, which is a huge global issue, because obviously they're looking to see, not just weirdly watching your family, they want to see when you're out, yes. so they can rob your house. They want to maybe do this very popular thing at the moment, which is get sensitive images of you and then blackmail. That's mm-hmm. that's quite common. Uh, honey trapping, or whatever they call it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we kind of go off, go off on a tangent, but what I would say is that, for example, the number one cause, actually, because we always have to go back to this human error element of people accessing nanny cams, is not resetting the password from one, two, three, four, or one, <laughs> one, one, one. Very so, You know, sorry, but if you're an idiot, then you're an idiot, and yeah. uh, technology is not going to help you be less of an idiot. So uh, I would say, yeah, on, on those ones, um, you know, there is amazing technology out there. Um, and there's also technology. We did an article uh, on passive weapons, which I thought was was quite fun because um, I've got to experience them myself, um, which was pretty disturbing. Passive actually. weapon mean, uh, meaning tasers and things? No, you've got to be slightly careful, you see. Like some things are illegal and other mm. things fall into gray areas. So with passive weapons, you really want to be going for stuff which is in the gray areas, not the straight out you're going to prison. Obviously, you know, we all know that, you know, you could go into international waters, you can pick up guns, you can leave them again. But I mean, you know, uh, how, how, how much risk that presents to you and yourself as a yacht and an owner versus like, what was the risk in the first place is always the assessment people have to make. Are you going down the coast of Somalia? Like, what are you doing? If you're in the med, why would you need a gun? So, um, yeah, I mean, what I would say, these passive weapons are interesting. So, for example, I, I got to test them out. I'm Unfortunately, I can't really talk about the company or, like, where they are, but they are have been deployed in various different environments, including, like, London itself. So, uh, for example, one was a really interesting laser grid, and I really like it. It looked like a Jedi's um, uh, lightsaber, the, at least the handle bit. Um, and what that does is you point it. And it can it can work up to 500 meters away. It creates a grid of lasers which effectively blind you. Oh. So you know on the approach to the yacht, you wouldn't be able to see anything. And it's about one meter by one meter, so you need to point it at someone if they're running across a lawn or whatever like that. So I tried it, and effectively, you know, when you look into a light and you get little yeah. dots, it's just that. But it lasted about 45 seconds to a minute. Ooh. So uh, from just a single exposure of about four to five seconds, that was uh, quite interesting because it did blind me. But it doesn't cause any actual damage to the retina. The lasers are set to such a level that they don't actually cause any damage. So that was interesting. The other one was some high-frequency um, sound uh, stuff. Again, uh, have a look. There's a, an article in the in the, in Superyacht Technology um, uh, magazine, Winter Winter the Winter Blueprint, which is all about passive weapons. And on there, there's one which says ultra-high-frequency. It is painful, actually causes severe pain in your ears. So that can also be, you know, used and, and projected out. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a few other things like corn smoke. It's quite an interesting one because corn, corn smoke, smoke is quite unique because it doesn't damage anything. Like you leave any residue. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you could you could potentially get into your panic room and corn smoke the... You know, can yeah. corn smoke your villa or your your yacht if you like. Very uncomfortable. Well, I know. Uh, I know when popcorn burns, it's it's leaves a damn nasty stink. 
yeah. And then there's uh, yeah, then there's lights. So lights which in themselves can be set to operate at a frequency which would cause a normal human being to have a fit. So really, uh, you know, if you think about all these technologies combined, if you have some corn smoke and you have a laser grid and you have horrible sounds, you're basically just lying on the floor screaming and probably, you know, defecating in your own. So not in a position much at all. Um, it's just something I read. It's totally tangential, but I have read the other day that there are a couple of sick people out there who have been putting special videos up on, on Twitter and that and Instagram that are designed... Uh, to pulsate at a rate that, if you have epilepsy, puts you in an epileptic uh, fit. Well, that's not very nice, that's is it? sick, isn't it? But strange, strange people everywhere. There is indeed. But moving on from that, um, one thing I did see in the in the passive security, uh, which, yeah. which I thought was very cool, playing on a, a on a very very old weapon of sorts. Mm-hmm. You know, in South America, where they use, I think it's called Ebola. It's like basically two stones at the end of a long piece of string, and they swing it around. And oh, okay, yeah, yeah, like goes around your legs. Yeah, and I think, follow. yeah, I think yeah. it's called an abola or something like that. Um, they've designed this company's designed. It's like a, it's like a little taser, size wise, um, and it shoots out an abola. It's got a, a not Teflon. What's the stuff they make a bulletproof vests from? Tevlar. Tevlar. Um, it's got a Tevlar twine. Two small bolt, like golf ball size, even smaller, and it shoots it out, and it wraps around the assailant. Okay. Uh, and it's it's very cool. It, you know, it doesn't hurt the person. There's no fear of dying or whatever, unless it goes around the neck, I guess. But um, I thought that was an interesting advance. Um, definitely, definitely. Um, I, I was going to maybe just go on to something a more light-hearted, which is the um, kind of the immersive experiences for owners. It's something we're doing a huge amount on at um, because it's it's a big trend, you know. It's, it's yeah. ever going trend. For- oh, it just seemed to have uh, for owners. Yeah. So we've got a lot of kind of. Oh, you lost me. No, you're back now. You're back now. I, I lost you there for a second. So I was saying immersive experiences and uh, things like hyperreal sound is is something that's, you know, kind of buzzword going around. We've got big brands competing in our industry now, like Samsung and Sony, you know, one with the C-LED and one with the wall, which are bringing these amazing cinema experiences for like true, uh, you know, true cinema buffs to live. Mm-hmm. Um I recently, there was a few bits of tech which I'll cover off uh, today, which are just quite cool. So uh, one's by this French company called L'Acoustique Creation, uh, which which interesting, actually, because basically out of, you know, uh, 5,000-strong workforce, they have 24 of them, 4, 24% of their staff are dedicated exclusively to research and development. Now, they've created this island for super owners, which, uh, again, you can read about in the magazine, but I just thought it was quite good for your true audio files, if you like. So it's like a cocoon, a bubble. There's an image of it uh, in the magazine and um, gives you this hyper-real sounds, whether it's nightclub or opera or whatever you want. Uh, it's basically a, a barrage of 360 degrees worth of speakers and then this beautiful, like, cushioned bed where you lie in the middle. And obviously, it can be moved around the yacht and things like that. I just thought that's quite fun as part of a kind of this fashion for immersive so, so you, uh, stuff. You, you exist in, in a bubble, 
of pure sound and visual cocoon. That sounds yeah. that sounds wonderful. Yeah, so it, it is very very cool, and uh, it's all part of this hyper real immersive sound stuff where uh, you're really using like sonic acoustics. You know, where a lot of these headphones are coming out now, which were originally developed for deaf people using this you know special uh, acoustics which much deeper level than, uh, you know, our brains kind of fathom on a basic level. And, and, and you, you know, now these are being used in a, in a much bigger scale. So um, I'm sure you've probably seen a few of the adverts knocking around on Instagram things for these headphones that people's faces being filmed lighting up because it's going to a part of their brain, which is like actually beyond regular sound. So it's I, a very, I very have, interesting stuff. I have to admit to you, Jack, I don't touch social media. I, oh, no, I've fair. yet to do a tweet. I've done three Facebook postings only because Maeve asked me to do them because she wasn't here. And I've done nothing on Instagram. I, I, Maeve does all that. I don't like social media, so I stay away from it. Well, I, I understand. Me as an individual, if I didn't use it professionally, I wouldn't use it at all because I like to just hang out with normal human beings uh, as, as an actual life philosophy. I do understand. You so here again, have real some real friends. You mean not <laughs> real friends? Like in the actual pub that are real. Um, so uh, yes. So basically, some of the other stuff which we've looked at, which I think was is also very cool, um, is some of the discrete technology. So Mover, the hidden speaker system. I don't know if like, you saw that on video. Like wearable? Stand. Are you talking about wearable technology? No, or no. Just... So this is basically like a wall that produces sound. So okay. uh, it was it was on uh, VideoWorks uh, stand at, uh, at Metz, mm -hmm. for example. Uh, very cool system, uh, but it's effectively it, it's just like a piece of glass or metal that produces sound. So really good for yacht environments, a high quality sound without actually even having a speaker at all. It's the, the glass itself that the produces wall, the, the sound. The glass and the wall is the speaker. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was pretty cool um, stuff. So we've sexy. done, again, more on kind of like, you know, hidden technologies, immersive technologies. That's kind of a lot of the stuff we're looking at. Um, I've revisit I've visited this, um, you know, uh, stuff that I saw from CS. So there's a very cool cupboard from Samsung, which um, actually like uh, detects what type of clothes you have in there. This is the Internet of Things. This is mm -hmm. intelligence stuff coming into our homes. And it will effectively... Uh, it will, like, you know, use steam and such things to press all of your clothes whilst they are hanging in the cupboard uh, in themselves. So, Maeve was looking at stuff. She showed it to me this morning. Uh, it's a bed. So you, you, you get into bed and, um, you know, double bed or whatever, and the sheet basically gets rotated during the night. It gets sucked underneath the mattress, as it were, and when it's under there, it gets steam cleaned, dried and ironed before it comes out the other side. And so yeah, I mean, this, this, this is a future of all things. You know, yeah. we should all feel very, uh, we should all feel very um, excited or potentially, depending on which side of the barrier you sit on, you know, very scared by the fact that everything is becoming robotic, everything's become automated. And, you know, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Look, we, we actually, there's, there's an article we did, which is, is the future of yacht crewing robotics? Now we know that we're pushing the barriers. It's early days and things like that. But in it, we're simply talking about a few of the current current 
things in terms of robotic chefs, in terms of uh, assisted, uh, you know, whether you're an ETO, an engineer, whether you would actually have augmented and assisted workers to help you. And if you're a stewardess, then, uh, you know, again, you're going to be looking at these kind of cupboards and things like that. They're not necessarily robots, but they take some of the stress away of having to iron and do all of this kind of, you know, stuff. Mundane uh, stuff. Yeah. And again, we've picked like five or six different robotic devices that could potentially be used on a yacht just to kind of spark the initial, uh, but, you know, the initial conversation. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm way out of court here, but... To me, um, it seems that the, the uh, that we're going through such a rapid development and innovation period, where you know when I was younger, every few years something new would come out. You, know, you got a Walkman, and that was the Walkman for five years, six years, whatever, before the mm-hmm. next iteration of digital Walkman uh, kind of came out. Uh, where now it just seems that day after day, I mean, we started off with drones, what, three years ago, drones really started kicking in? Yeah, um, you've got a register right now if you've got one, uh, you know, above a certain size. Yeah, so uh, now, now we're looking at large drones going to be working as autonomous taxis. Um, yeah. And, and it just seems that it's, it's innovation is coming at such a more rapid pace. Uh, well, I suppose as it's as it's Christmas, um, we can get all philosophical um, on this. I mean, look, this is machine learning. At the end of the day, it's only going to get quicker yeah. as machines learn for you know for themselves, if you like, and accelerate technology independently of of us. Well, I, I'm, uh, I'm saying it less less from a philosophical perspective, but more from you know you were saying about virtual crew, um, mm-hmm. and you think, oh, that's possible that's probably where we're going to go but that's in the future you know I, i'd argue that it's in the not so distant future given the rapid development that we're seeing in all of these things in in uh, the development of technology the adoption of it and uh, and also the the technical ability of what we can do yeah absolutely um and and it will it's going to just go faster and faster and um, but again, we're all humans and yachts as always should kind of remain a, a leisure item at the end of the day. I think where we're probably going to see the biggest, um, and I covered this a bit last time, uh, evolutions is in the algorithms themselves that work out the efficiency and safety and, uh, you know, everything that quite honestly shouldn't be controlled by humans. We should just be a, a backup uh, safeguards. Um, we worked recently with this very interesting company. Um, uh, called Norwegian Electric Systems. So they've been um, doing the, the biggest cruise liner in the world. And, uh, okay. you know, in Norway now with the fjords, you're not allowed in unless you're running on green energy. Mm-hmm. So um, they've got some very cool stuff like it. And, and I like it quite, quite cool, actually, because they've, they've themed their technology around uh, their cultural uh, Viking stuff. So one's called like Odin's Eye and the other one's called Raven INS, which is like their bridge and like you know, various other systems that I won't bore you with. Um, but, you know, again, they're, they're doing a lot of stuff on the um, on the intelligence systems be- behind uh, green energy uh, because I do think we should echo our uh, Greta Thunberg in saying, uh, I think I talked about this last time as well, you know, green stuff cannot just be a PR exercise for companies. Uh, you know, it needs to be something real. So, exactly. uh, and, and it's for it's for the Greta good. 
as somebody said to me recently. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, interestingly, uh, yeah, I suppose we are seeing big investment now. Uh, as you know, biggest yacht in the world now, this whole kind of research project yacht, greener energies and things like that. Mm -hmm. And the motivation, I suppose, sometimes people, you know, I don't know, depends how you made your money as well. There must be a, a higher motivation sometimes to well, like, invest in green energy. That's like um, uh, the guy behind Rev4 or uh, yeah. Rev Ocean. Um, he, he's doing it to give back. He made his money from the ocean, be it oil yes. and fisheries. Um, yes, I mean, really, and basically, yes, yeah, stripping out the life of the ocean. No offense yeah. to him, but that's no, no, unfortunate. No. Um, and selling it as some kind of gloopy paste to the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's now, I guess, like the guy who invented uh, uh, dynamite, Nobel. Uh, he's, I think, kind of going, yeah, okay, I've done well out of the ocean. It's in a state. Yeah. I need to put back into it now. And um, you know, he's created an incredible project with the Rev Ocean. Yeah, it is amazing. And, you know, we'd all go through these experiences. It's, it's great to have hindsight. It's impossible to know when money's involved and things like that. Huge motivators. And, and people often do go through this full cycle where then they want to give back and they want to do things. Yeah. So, you know, and to help the world. And back then, sure, um, nobody thought about it. Now, this is when he started off. People were emptying the cigarette ashtrays out of the car window and yeah, throwing yeah, bottles on the street as you drove down and you wouldn't look at it. At uh, different times. Definitely. Um, look, one thing I do want to make sure we cover, because we're going to run out of time, and a bit of a short one today. Yes, unfortunately. It's very, very important, actually. So um, what it is, is I was currently working with some very clever chaps from Cambridge. So I was fortunate to go to the Institute of uh, Technology and Engineering here in London the other day and meet up with uh, these, these very clever uh, people. Your peers. Now, what, well, what I'm trying to, you know, work out for them and with them is, um, you know, it's come across, uh, well, a lot of times, yachts have said to me there are connectivity issues when they're in marinas. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you've still got quite a lot of marinas where they haven't really upgraded the infrastructure. And if they have, it's working off either one of two things, you know, Wi-Fi, which unreliable, yachts hate it, shared between lots of yachts. Mm -hmm. It just gets worse and worse, as you can imagine. Or running a hard cable if they have high-speed internet and where that is available in a shipyard, in a refit yard, in a marina. Um, and then you literally have to run a cable up through the, you know, into the yachts, like through yeah. a window. Uh, more modern yachts have, you know, a port inbuilt into the back of the yacht, if you like, but other yachts don't. So they can get that level of connectivity to connect all of the crew. And, you know, there's a good example. Onti apparently has very good, uh, you know, high fiber. They've invested in that. Uh, Rybovich, I hear, is, was, you know, was very, very good. They may have reached their capacity now, so they're, they're probably going to need to make a second investment. But, you know, digging up your entire marina and running cables is potentially a big issue. So what this company have developed is really amazing, fiber-like, completely wireless uh, high speed, uh, so that's two gigabits per second internet, which would be available. They want to create a network uh, of super yacht marinas where this premium service is available. Um, so, is that a, a, a WiMAX type of uh, I distribution? Like it. It's a mesh. It's a mesh network, basically. Okay. Um, but it's it's very clever. It's extremely reliable. It's already being used in a number of Nordic countries. As you know, they're always leading the way and setting the example. And we know there are a lot of marinas out there that are struggling with going, oh, it's going to cost a lot. It's going to be a big pain to run all of these cables. 
you know, dig up the whole mm-hmm. of the marina and run these cables. But it is something that all the yachts tell us. We decide now which marinas we go to based on how good the Internet is. So, you know, pretty crucial in client retention. So with these guys, they just install um, the marine wireless, you know, network uh, essentially just installs nodes. And then now you could just connect up as uh, you put a little box on the yacht and then you just connect up and you have, you know, up to two megabits per second uh, download speeds. Now, the same technology can be used. So you have the little box on board. Um, you can either pay a premium from the marina or you can uh, you can play a monthly subscription, but obviously they need to set up a network across different marinas in Europe, mm-hmm. and then that's what their goal would be. So you know they're very keen to talk to marinas. I, I think the project is great because it's come across my desk very often that people complain about the quality of internet in marinas, and more and more you need to suck in as much information as possible. The portability of data is something Joseph Adir talks about. You know, if you want to download some 4K movies, well, you better do it while you're in port and yeah. then take them with you. Uh, so that's that's something we're looking at. And the same technology can be used so that, for example, if you wanted to take one of these little nodes and the owner was on the beach and you from your yacht and you had a VSAT connection at, say, 25 megabits per second, which is probably what you get on a VSAT at best, let's say, um, you could then project that to wherever the owner is in line of sight via this little node create a virtual network around the owner with a microwave signal or laser signal or something like that i'm not going to go into uh you know too much detail with the technology this is developed by some extremely clever professors it's been like you're talking to a nerd here so (laughs) forgive my questions sorry you're talking to a nerd here so uh forgive my questions (laughs) Sorry, the line's a bit bad. I, I'm saying because my um, my other hat is uh, technology. I used to install uh, Wi-Fi and satellite systems on the yachts. So uh, once you dangle a carrot like that, I start asking questions. So, um, well, my apologies. January, in January, we'll definitely be able to like they'll be able to show you much, much more about you know how this all works and the website will go live and things like that. At the, the moment, they, they are actually early adopters because. Um, Mesh networks are seen as being the next big thing coming in next year. Uh, much wider deployment. Okay, sorry about that. I just lost you for a second. Then the, the line on your end's gone a little crackly. Um, yeah, so basically that's that's something. If there are marinas out there that want to talk about it, get in contact with me. I'll put you in contact with these people doing their research. You know, uh, it's something we're, we're quite keen to. Look at trying to establish this European-wide network. Um, and have, uh, have they got it in any marinas yet? No, no, it's, it's brand new tech. Brand new, Literally okay. patented. It is, uh, you know, it is like absolutely. The, the people involved are very, very clever people. It's ready to go. It's it's been deployed, as I said, in Sweden. It's where it's been deployed at the moment. Um, so it's tried and tested. But we're just trying to reach out to marinas to say, you know, get, get in contact with us. The infrastructure itself would probably have no cost to the marina. So if you can imagine, you're about to spend a hundred grand digging up the entire marina and running super fast optical cable to each individual berth, and someone comes along and goes, "You don't need to do any of that. You know, you can install this entire system in 24 hours and be up and running, offering premium, you know, speeds to yachts." Well, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, why is it always Sweden that they test these things out in? Do you do you know who has the 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 highest bandwidth of any internet connection on the planet? Do you know where it is? Oh, go on. 
It's an 80-year-old granny living in the arsehole of nowhere in Sweden <laughs> whose son worked for Ericsson and was the tester for the original internet connections and, and technology for Ericsson. So he deployed it into his granny's house and used to test against that. And well, she must be very well connected, Granny. She must be on all of the, uh, you know, Silver Surfer uh, forums. I, I believe she doesn't even do Google, but it was no. just, it was something I read during the, the the year that just I was like, yeah, it would have to be, um, and th that I'd love to talk about more next year because uh, I know sure. from experience working with yachts, if they're not on a shoreline, they switch to four G. And, yep. and, and that can be yeah. so sensitive. Yeah. I'm, one boat I worked on in Cannes, we put a 4G system in. The boss phoned us back. He was angry. He wasn't happy. It didn't work. And um, we got him to move the boat two or three berths down, and he got signal. And it's, yeah. that, it's that precarious. You can have a great signal or two or three berths down, or if you're in Monaco during the show, forget it. So, yeah, uh, of course. That's Monaco, isn't it? Not investing in their infrastructure. All the money in the world. And then again, you just answered your own question about why would you test your technology in a Nordic country? Well, <laughs> your own answer there, haven't you, really? <laughs> the bigger question is why would you probably why would you test it in southern Europe unless well, you were probably yeah. testing it how 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 it would not work very well. The question I, I should be why shouldn't you test it in Sweden? <laughs> <laughs> exactly or finland or anywhere um no uh look by the way so just a reminder as well while, while, we're, while we're here super technology conference is fast approaching 100 days to go first and second of april world trade center now one very important thing is obviously encouraging people to buy the tickets get in there get your 99 pound uh, charity tickets 50 percent goes to charity um but also the awards and it's now open uh, it's our first year. We're going to do the awards. We've hired this beautiful venue in a park, uh, Gaudi's Hall of Mirrors, incredible place, oh. DJ, gala dinner. Actually fantastic. And uh, we've had some great applications already, but we need more people to apply. So we've just opened them. So again, on the Supercut Technology Conference website, just go to awards, fill out the automatic application, put your logo on, write 500 words, why you should win it for your category, and submit it. Uh, very importantly, we do not any any details of any project. We don't care about that. So if you say we built this amazing screen and you want to lie about the details of it, but it be true to a project, we're more interested in that because we realize the privacy is you can't go, oh yeah, it was Motiot, you know, Tagura, yeah. and this was it, and it's this size. You can lie about the size. You don't tell us the name. We're just more interested in the details of the project. As long as they're accurate, you could win an award. Uh, which should be very nice. And we've got amazing goodies that come with the awards worth like thousands for each award, like super cool watches and things like that. So, uh, you know, apply. I hope there's a category for radio. There's not a category <laughs> for your type of radio, uh, I'm afraid. But uh, it's all technology. And we've got some really interesting categories, you know, best cloud based applications and we've also got it for individuals which we thought it was nice so it was like you're a shipyard you have an exceptional project manager or somebody who really you know make sure that projects are delivered really well including the technology then nominate them mm -hmm. because we've got some people awards which we thought it would be nice for them to uh you know to be recognized people who've contributed exceptional hard work in av companies and shipyards and refit yards 
So um, definitely do that. But very importantly, get your tickets before they run out. And uh, over the Christmas, we're going to put information up on our site all about the conference with a banner. Did you get that? I'm shaming you here. We've got to get the banner over to us so we can put that up. I, I've, um, I've sent you the banner. You've got everything. You got my banners. Sent them last time. Oh um, no! Yeah. I wish I hadn't said that out loud. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Check your emails, and uh, so you, you have all of those. Excellent. And obviously, our ninety-nine pound tickets for a two-day conference at the World Trade Center with some of the best speakers. I think this year in we've Barcelona. Got really in Barcelona, between industry people and like international uh, experts in their field, from people who did the Olympic lighting to the leading expert on cinema installations, not in the superyacht sector, in the world, you know, in the world, like Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt level. So, <laughs> um, and again, one of the best sound engineers in the world, not from the superyacht industry, because we need to be inspired. And I think in the future of the Superyacht Technology Conference, we will, in fact, probably move more and more towards having international paid speakers as opposed to the other conferences, potential models that I see is you pay to speak, which we really want to steer clear of that and, mm -hmm. and bring in international experts and in this TED Talk style format. So, um, yeah, if you're thinking about getting to the conference, stop thinking and go because it's going to be a revolution. It's going to be really exciting. I can't wait for it. Cannot yes. wait. Should have had it in January. But I'll have to wait till April, April 1st. First. April 1st. It's not a joke. It's April Fool's. And uh, perhaps we will make yeah. an April joke at the conference. Hey, you're, you're a fool if you don't go. There you go. Well, I know, I know also I was asking the other day, like, who's going to chair the conference and things like that? And we hate all of that. We want to move away from all of this old fashioned, you know, not being used in other industry panels of disjointed experts that aren't even in the same field. Again, the big complaints about this year, uh, you know, at other conferences. Uh, we want to move away from this stuffy format of chairmans and, you know, people like that. Uh, we were actually thinking the entire, uh, you know, uh, conference might be hosted by a virtual avatar who introduces each speaker in each segment. And, and you know, I get to spend time going around with the guests and, and, and talking, you know, with the attendees and, and, and talking to them and being involved in the conference. That, rather would, than be, that would be interesting. Kind of holographic yeah. avatar. Well, I don't know about holographics. Not quite within the budgets for, you know, for about 150 grand for a hologram. So oh, okay. not, not this year, maybe next year. But definitely, uh, you know, segments that can be can introduce uh, mm -hmm. individual speakers to things. But don't hold me to this. It's just... One of the amazing ideas that my team put forward to me when we had our Christmas lunch. And because I, I was like, I really don't want to be a chairman and have to mm. do all of that chairman stuff. Or I don't want someone else to be a chairman because this is our, our thing together. Also, I just don't like that whole format. Well, it's, you know, it's, I, it's like there is no chairman at Google conferences. When you're hosting your own party, you never get to enjoy your own party. Exactly. Yeah. You just want to be floating around in the background, really kind of like observing. So yeah. so it's something we're looking at. I don't know whether we'll be able to do it. It might be too ambitious for this year, but certainly uh, we'll have at least a really cool introduction video and, you know, montage and kind of like a bit of the format of what's going on. And the app goes live at like um, in February as well. So that should be fun. It's going to be a good year for you. Great start to it. Yeah, we hope so. You know, we need we need as many people to take part in the conference as possible. And, and then you're going to see something really, really different uh, in future years grow and evolve and, you know, uh, on the pre-season side of things. And, uh, you know, 
and that's it. And if, if not, then we'll have, you know, a really good conference and then it'll just be back to the same old, same old stuff. And if that's what the industry wants, then, you know, that's absolutely fine. I can't wait. Looking forward to it. Jack, unfortunately, you have to go soon, if I remember correctly. I, I do, I do. That's uh, why we were speaking very yeah. quickly to try and get everything in. No, 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 I always speak quickly. It's my it's my nature. I'm a, I'm a quick speaker. Um, no, we just got a couple of family things going on today, and uh, I'll be honest with you, I need to uh, I need to attend those. Uh, so uh, yeah, always good speaking to you and Superyacht Radio. You too, and I have a, and I want to thank you for. All we've done during the year uh, it's been great having you we want to have more of you next year but right. i know you're a busy busy man but uh, it's been really appreciated we love being in collaboration and partnership with super yacht technology news in fact super yacht technology overall in all your your endeavors and uh, i think it's going to be a great year for you and yeah good, good to be part good of it you and again thanks so much cheers Dave. Speak love soon. to you bye and bye. your family bye bye now that was Jack Robinson from Super Yacht Technology News. You are listening to Super Yacht Radio.